Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens on American Family Radio. Here's your host, Dr. Jessica Peck. Hey friends, I'm Dr. Jessica Peck, pediatric nurse practitioner, professor, author, and mom of four. Today on the show, we have Rachel Keck Adams. Rachel is a writer, a podcast host, and a true Southern mama. She used to believe her life was small in rural Kentucky, but God, my two favorite words in the history of ever, by the way, but God changed her heart and not her circumstances. Her podcast is called The Love Offering, sharing real stories of women living out their faith and to become a love offering to those around you and believe what you offer matters. She is the author of A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. Rachel, welcome so much to the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And but God, I think are my two favorite words too. (laughs) Well, we're already on the same foot here. We're Southern mamas and we both love but God stories. And I love that. And I'm so excited to talk to you. So for my listeners, we are Instagram acquaintances, which is ironic considering the fact I tell my kids every day not to befriend strangers on the internet, but that's something (laughs) to explore for another time. I came across your devotional and I have to tell you, Rachel, it really really resonated with me. Now, you didn't write this specifically for parents, but for me as a parent, it really hit home. And a lot of what I talk about in parenting is nurturing your own spiritual soul and taking your own healing journey because our tendency is to control our kids' behaviors, but the secret is that nurturing our own hearts spiritually influences our kids' behavior much more than anything we could ever try to control. So with that, let's dive into why I think parents need your devotional and to take the journey that you laid out here. First of all, why don't you tell me why you wrote this book? Yeah, you know, it is interesting because I I didn't write it necessarily with just moms and parents in mind, but it it really does. This concept goes um, really across the board, no matter what season of life that you're in or what stage or what your role is, because it again, it's God who takes our little a long way. And so it's just our role in offering what we have in the moment. And so I, it really was this struggle. I, you know, I'm born and raised in the small uh, Kentucky Lake Town. I'm a wife of 17 years, mother of two children. My children are Will and Kate, and they are both in middle school now. Um, but, you know, I've, I've always struggled with, as long as I can remember, really, this, this struggle of feeling insecure and inadequate and This carried over into me being a stay-at-home mom and just feeling like my life was just very mundane and ordinary and routine. You know, every day I was doing a lot of the same same things every Mm -hmm. single day on repeat, you know, doing dishes and making meals and going to the grocery and paying bills and um, changing diapers and, and playing with my kids on the floor. And it just felt... It's like, gosh, God, I know that this is important work. I know that it is, but some days it just doesn't feel that way. And, you know, even now that they're older, I'm, you know, still packing the lunches and Mm -hmm. taking them to ball games and helping with homework and having conversations. And it can still kind of feel that way. And it was just one evening I was having just kind of a heart to heart with the Lord right before I went to bed and like, God, I want my life to count. 
but it feels just too small to make a big difference. But yet I want it to. And here I am on earth, like, does any of this matter? Mm. And I was just kind of wrestling with him. And so I went to his word. You know, that's when I need wisdom. That's the only place that I know that will give me good, good godly wisdom, right? And and so I, I went to scripture. And, and the more that I just dove into what he had to say, the more I realized that a significant life is actually much simpler and smaller than we think. Oh, that is so beautiful. And I'm sure everywhere in the car line, in the car driving or at work or doing dishes, there are parents nodding their head and identifying with exactly what you said. Because as parents, we long to be significant in our kids' lives. And if we're really honest, I think sometimes we pass that expectation to our kids to be significant. You know, if they're not a collegiate athlete or a national merit scholar, we wonder, like, is what we're doing significant? So I want to say this loud and clear. If you have children, being a parent and nurturing your relationship with them is the most significant thing you will ever do on this earth. And it brings me to the where you start your book. When you open it up, I want to read you a quote from it because you talk about, like you said, living in rural Kentucky, taking care of your animals while your kids are at school. And you said this, even knowing this, I still want the reassurance I'm doing a good job, that I am significant. The thing is that this desire for assurance and significance is a daily occurrence. Each day I have a choice. Will I begin again, no matter how small my work seems in the grand scheme of things, trusting God is growing me and using me at all? Or will I grow discouraged and be lulled to sleep by monotony, believing it is all ineffective and pointless? So, Rachel, tell us about the everyday. Like, what does this look like? How has this changed your daily life? Yeah, I think it just changes my perspective. You know, my days are the exact same as they were before. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe other than a few, you know, different conversations or a few different circumstances or people that I run into. But um, I think that it's just given me this perspective shift. You know, this all came from a conversation I was having uh, with my husband, and I'm even prone to do it with my children now. You know, I pick them up from school and I'm like, oh, how was your day? And I'm like, well, it was good. How was your day? And then I'll list off and this you know, this to-do list that I did. These are all the things I accomplished, you know, and the same thing goes for when my husband comes home. Well, how was your day? He's just wondering how I am, not like, what did you do, you know? And and so it's just this constant, just wanting affirmation for what I what I do and what I accomplish, just wanting to feel so significant. And, and so it's this, this, this 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 struggle that I still have, if I'm being honest, and so you know, the number one, the key is is just to go to the Lord. Like, there's nothing that we can do to earn His love. He loves us because of just simply who we are, and not because of anything that we accomplish. And so, I think our, that our, you know, that's the case with our heavenly Father, and that's the case with our earthly relationships as well. And so, I think back to this perspective shift. Yes, my my work and and my daily activity are all the same, but I just, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in the Lord's hands and I'm just trusting because I can look back and I can have kind of a record if I, as I reflect and, and look back at um, just some of my journals and, and just my memories of how God has used little things that maybe that I discounted over the years, little encounters and conversations and prayers that in hindsight, I can see how He's used them and shaped me and um, it impacted my life and impacted other people. 
people's lives. And so um, I think that that has just built um, and changed my perspective and trust and hope and this hopeful expectancy that God is going to continue to use those little things a long way for His kingdom and for His glory. And, And I think part of that is, is we will not probably always see the fruit of that right here, right now, but I'm just trusting that that He is and that one day in eternity we'll see it. I love the phrase you just used, hopeful expectancy, because I think that is something that we can definitely take on in our parenting role. And I also like what you said about wanting significance for what we did and not who we are. Like That is such a—I just had a perspective shift right here. You just gave me a perspective shift. And another quote from your book talks about that. It says, "'Be faithful in the small.'" Begin where you are, do what you can, and leave the results up to God. That's exactly what you were just talking about and you know, looking at the long game. So what does that look like in action? Yeah, if, if you really think about everything that we do starts somewhere, right? And I think most of the time it starts with obedience. And and I think that that is what, you know, we hear quite a bit, like our job is obedience and God's job is the outcome. And a friend of mine, she really challenged me with this. Um, I lived in a, a home previous to the home that we're living in right now. And the previous owners, they had planted this beautiful <laughs> garden and they moved right before they were able to harvest anything oh. that they had, you know, poured into, bless their hearts, all the, all the seeds and watering <laughs> and weeding, all all this work that they had put in, and we got to enjoy the fruit of their labor. And um, and and so a friend of mine, she challenged me. She said, Rachel, are you okay being the one to plant the seed, but never to um, realize and experience the harvest? Oh, and I thought, oh gosh, I, I don't know. I want to be, I want to be able to, to be just the one planting seeds and watering it. But um, I think that this is such a hard concept to just continue to plant the seed, plant the seed, water it, and 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 realize that that God is the one that makes all of it grow. And I think, you know, this this idea of being faithful in the small, it's like one step at a time. You know, when I when I wrote the devotional, it was one word turned into one sentence, turned into one paragraph, into one page, into one devotion, and then 52 devotions later I had a book. But when you look at tasks before you, it just seems really overwhelming. And, you know, same with building a house. It's like, you know, one nail and one piece of lumber at a time or packing boxes or, you know, raising your children. It's one conversation at a time, one prayer at a time. Um, And and so God is just going to continue to use that and shape us. And um, this really came from a a a verse in Zechariah 4:10 that says do not despise small beginnings because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin and and this came out of the the Jews it was a remnant of the Jew, of Jews that came and were starting to rebuild this temple that King Solomon and King David had had previously built that was torn down and destroyed and so of course those those kings had plenty of money and plenty of resources and um and so you can imagine the temple that they built and so these Jews are looking at the temple that they're starting to build, and, and in comparison, it doesn't look nearly as big, or you know, they're just looking at the size and splendor, and it's nowhere near what the other kings had built. And so this is when the prophet Zechariah he looks at them and he says this verse: "Don't despise these small beginnings." 
Um, because it's really not even what we're building. It's it's the fact that God is on the inside of us. Um, that that that's it. He's on the inside of the temple, and that's why it it counts. And so the same is true of anything that we're doing. It's not necessarily what we're building, but that God is with us, and He is in in the midst of the building process with us. Oh my goodness, that is beautiful. And I can think of a lot of parents who would really hold on to that because when we see challenges in our relationships with our kids and we feel like failures and you feel like you're starting, but it's so small. I love that. Don't despise small beginnings. And another beautiful nugget of truth you have in your book, I found myself highlighting so many statements, I'm telling you, but it says, we can trust God to make up the difference between where we want to be and where we are now. How is that possible? Because I know there are a lot of parents listening who long for their relationships to be okay today or for their circumstances to change. How do we let go of that longing that we have for it to be okay now? You know, I don't I don't know that we have to let go of the longing. I think that that longing is a desire of your heart. And I think it's a beautiful desire of your heart. And God cares about the desires of your heart. You know, when I was thinking about um, this question, I think about the prayer of Jabez. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if you and the listeners are familiar with that. It's in 1 Chronicles 4. And he prays this beautiful prayer of blessing and the, the desires of his heart for his life. And at the end of that one verse, it says that God granted his request. And I was reading this not long ago, and and the thought hit me, how long? You know, how long did it take for God to grant his request? Was, Was it immediate? It may have been. It may have been weeks later or months later, years later, or over the span of his lifetime. And then as I was thinking about this, God um, brought the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel 1 uh, to mind, and she was longing for a child, and God heard her and heard her prayer. And the the verses that follow say, in due time, like in the course of time, God granted her request, but not necessarily in the way or in the time uh, that that she thought or she prayed for, um, that so often God— we, what we what we do know in Scripture and what we can trust in is that God hears us, He sees us, and He will respond to us. He does care about the longings of our hearts, as, especially when they they align with His will. And so I would just say to everybody listening, hold on to that longing. Continue to be persistent um, and patient and persevere in your prayer life. You know, in, in Luke 18, Jesus, He he compliments and he praises the persistent widow. And so we've got to continue to pray and do not give up and trust that God's delay and maybe answering our longing is for good reason. You know, we're, we're growing. He's molding our character. He's molding our child. Um, and little by little, he is going to, um, I believe, restore and reconcile and, and answer the cry of our heart. That is so hopeful and encouraging. And one of the things you're doing, Rachel, that I absolutely love is you are just weaving Bible stories and scripture into the conversation just seamlessly. And that that takes time and effort, you know, to learn those stories and to hear those scriptures. But 
those words are so much more encouraging and those stories are so much more hopeful than any wisdom that we could ever come up with on our own. So I just wanted to affirm that and just say I'm finding so much hope and encouragement of that. Now, this is a journey that you're inviting readers on into your devotional. You invite readers to watch God take their everyday actions and transform them for His eternal purposes. And there are stories and a practical actions, your little task, and encouraging prayers. Can you walk us through the structure of this and what this journey would look like? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I so want us to not just be hearers of God's Word, but doers of God's Word. Um, and again, I, I hope that I'm clear. Like, we're God's workmanship. We are significant regardless of anything we do. And I hope that that was clear um, from the very beginning. But we we do have good work to do. That's out of Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship created to do good works. And so, you know, I only have to look to the life of Jesus. You know, how did He he lived his life. He was born as a baby in the tiny town of Bethlehem and never traveled outside a hundred mile radius. And he walked everywhere he went. He prayed with people. He attended weddings and funerals and shared meals with people and held children and washed feet and shared one cup of water with one woman beside a well. And so I look at the way he lived his life. And if, if nothing was too insignificant for the Savior of the world, then nothing is too insignificant for me. And so I, I look at then, if that's what he did with his time, that's how I want to spend my time. I want to go to weddings. <laughs> I want to share lots of meals. I want to pray with people and have conversations and look them in the eye and give them a hug. And, you know, these are things that we can do very easily. We can write letters to people. We can give them an encouraging word. We can believe in them. We can share our time. And so those are, I tell lots of stories of how, um, I have done that in my own life, or maybe people have encouraged me or believed in me or prayed for me, or maybe how I've failed in praying for other people. <laughs> you know, I'm really honest with, I don't always get this right. Actually, more often than not, I don't get it right. Um, but I'm so thankful for God's grace and for His mercy and for His forgiveness to to try again um, each and every day. And so, yeah, it, the structure is a little story from my own life or somebody else's life, followed up by a biblical story, because uh, I always want it to be scripturally uh, sound. And then every day, it's like just a little action. I want not to give us any more to do. We already have so much on our to-do list, but to really value the little you're already probably doing. And then, of course, just a prayer each day, just to center us back to um, our relationship with the Lord, because through His Holy Spirit, He is the only way that any of this is possible. That is, again, just so encouraging and uplifting. And I especially love the little task because sometimes, you know, we just feel like we want to do something to feel like we're making progress. And it can be hard and mentally exhausting just to think about things. But you give just little tasks. Can you give some examples of what some of those look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for example, I, maybe it's because it's almost lunchtime and I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm thinking about as we're recording, I guess I should say. So uh -huh. a little meal, um, a little meal goes a long way. And I tell a story about how my I just had my children and um, my next door neighbor brought us over a meal. And it was such a blessing that she not only fed us physically, um, but that just did such a work in my heart and, and, and in my mind and, and freed me up 
up from um, having to focus on that, but just to focus on our newborn baby. And uh, that is a meal now. She gave me that recipe, and that is a meal when anybody is sick or um, maybe has a baby or just you just want to bless them, that that's the meal that I take now to them. And so I, I share that with them. And then I talk about how Jesus shared meals and the, the book of Acts. You know, there was table fellowship was so important. Um, and so then the task for that day is just to share a meal with somebody, whether it's takeout. Takeout is totally fine uh-huh. if you just want to go and meet at a restaurant or meet at a coffee shop. It's amazing. Just that act of caring for somebody's physical need then opens up the door to meet their emotional and spiritual need as well. So that would be one example of a, a little task. And like today, just maybe pray for somebody, write somebody a letter, mm-hmm. um, give somebody an encouraging word. It really is really simple. You know, send them a text, give them a phone call, maybe just look the person in the eye that you pass or maybe smile and just say hello. Something that simple. Those are some of the little tasks that you'll see uh, in this devotional. And Rachel, you and I talked about this, the fact that you didn't write this specifically for parents, but just for me reading it, I saw it lends itself so well to if you're having a struggle in your relationship, if you don't feel significant in your teen's life, even what you just said about making a meal, making a snack, making your teen's favorite meal, just that little act of service can go a long way in meeting their physical needs, but also setting a table for conversation and just serving your way into that relationship. That is really the only way that we build our relationship is by serving our way in. That is that is the way to do it. And so I just encourage you, if you're a parent or if you're not a parent, to take this journey that Rachel has laid out so beautifully for you and finding so much encouragement encouragement and the small things and having that perspective shift. And Rachel, I feel like I I should have coffee with you every morning. You just have made me smile and feel like maybe the world's problems are not quite so big. But we have one last question for you that we ask of every guest. If you could give just one piece of advice to parents looking for hope in building healthy relationships, what is that little task going to be? Oh, you know, I, I'm the host of the Love Offering podcast, and that was stemmed from how do we live out the greatest command to love God and to love others. And I've just been doing a study on the Trinity and how um, God the Father and, and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit existed, you know, one God and three divine persons, and they already had everything they needed, you know, all the love and all the joy, and and they didn't create us out of um, boredom or out of um, any desire to need anything from us, but out of an overflow of that love. And so as I'm thinking about that, and, and to answer your question, I just think when we when we get our significance and we feel overflowed and, and fill up with God's love first, then it's out of that overflow that we can spend time with our children and our spouse and our coworkers and our church congregations and the stranger on the street. It's 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 that loving them not for anything that they can necessarily do for us, but again, simply for who they are. I know God wants us to love Him in that way. Um, And I think God loves us in that way. And so that's how I would encourage everybody today to go and love everybody in their own lives today. Well, I think that's beautiful. And how can we connect with you and find out more? 
Well, I would love to connect with everyone listening. I really do believe that every God uses every single interaction and every single encounter. And so you can find me at rachelkadams.com is my website. And then on social media, I'm at Rachel Adams Author. And then you can purchase the book, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life um, on any retailer. And then you can listen to the Love Offering podcast on any listening platform. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today on the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast. Thank you for everything that you've done and the encouragement and the hope that you provided and for letting God use you and just having a significant life. It has been significant to me today, and I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Hasn't this chat with Rachel been so encouraging? I love how she shares the importance of being faithful and the everyday little things that have such big impact. It's time for Conversation Keys, where we explore health impacts and home strategies for relationship building with your teens. Here are seven little things you can do every day to help your kids. These are based on the seven C's of resilience from pediatrician Dr. Kenneth Ginsberg. Number one is competence. What is your child's greatest strength? If you can't answer that in 15 seconds or less, neither can they. Intentionally identify and regularly praise this quality in your child and look for opportunities to use it in tough times. Maybe it's humor or acts of service. My oldest daughter has a strength of hospitality. She will leave a treat on my pillow or leave me a note on my mirror, just something to make me feel so warm and welcome in my own environment. And I love that. So we may tell her, okay, this requires some cookies for this conversation. Number two is confidence. Praise your teen honestly and authentically for specific accomplishments. So, for example, instead of saying, you're so brave, say, I admire your courage to speak in front of a large audience. That's something I could never do. You would be surprised to know how much your teen craves and cherishes these words of affirmation. Number three, connection. Create an intentional physical space for family connection. Bonus if it's in a tech-free zone. It could be a gaming table, a chair in your child's room, an outdoor fire pit, or a comfy old sofa. What is your teen's favorite place in your home to spend time together? Can you do anything to that space to make it more inviting or cozy, or simply to make yourself more available in that space? Number four, character. Teens with character have a strong sense of self-worth. They know their values and they stick to them. Spiritual rhythms strengthen families and build character. Faith practices provide structure, regularity, and predictability. In what ways can you engage in spiritual connections and character building? It could be going to church together, listening to a podcast, playing music in the car, or praying together. Number five, contribution. Contributing to the world helps teens realize the world is a better place because they are in it. What act of service can you do together as a family? Maybe it's helping an elderly neighbor or volunteering in the community or babysitting for an overwhelmed new mom. Number six, coping. 
teens who have a wide range of coping skills are better equipped to face life stressors. This could be something as simple as breathing exercises, taking a walk, calling a friend, or listening to music. What intentional ways of coping do you adopt as a family? My youngest son will often tell me, count to 10 slowly and think of all the things you're thankful for. And that simple act of coping can really de-escalate my emotions. Number seven, control. When teens can appreciate being in control of their decisions, they can be equipped to make intentional choices to put them on a healthy path. If your child is facing a lot of things that are out of their control, seek healthy outlets for that. Give them control of something. It could be as simple as menu planning, family vacation details, or organizing a service project. Here's your conversation keys. Ask your teen, What do you think is your greatest strength? How can you lead from that strength in our family? Try it out and let me know how it goes. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, serving as your expert guide on the side to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. Tune in next week as we explore faith-based health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. Together, we'll find hope for healthy relationships. Connect with us online at drnursemama.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Nurse Mama. We'll see you here next week on American Family.